So we're here today because not everybody's called to adoption, right? James 127, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after widows and orphans in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. We know in the book of Psalms that God is a father to the fatherless and that he sets the lonely into families. We know, frankly, as the body of Christ, we're the families into which he's going to set the lonely kids. But the bottom line is, while we're all called to do something about orphans, We aren't all called to the same thing. We're not all called to adoption. And so what if you aren't called to adoption, but you want to help in that process? Here is the good news of this session and the good news that we have got to get to the church. And it's this. If you can pray, cook, clean, shop, babysit, do laundry, you can have a profound impact on a former orphan and his or her adoptive families. And I said this during the last session probably too often because it probably sounded silly, but I just have to say it over and over again. Some of this stuff is going to sound so obvious to you, I feel silly saying it. (laughs) I really do. And yet, as I've dealt with hundreds of adoptive families over the course of a decade, this is not obvious to the church, and it is not happening. And we have adoptive families that are struggling in our midst, and they're doing it in isolation in our churches. And sometimes they're doing it uh, formerly in our churches because they're not there anymore. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, that's the good news. We all have a role to play. So obviously, starting at the beginning, adoption is God's heart. A friend of mine does this exercise all the time. Raise your hand if you've been adopted. Anybody? Raise your hand. Oh, you're such a cheater. (laughs) Amen. Because through faith in Christ, we've been adopted by the Father, and we're sons and daughters of the Most High God. And then he asks again, raise your hand if you've been adopted. And, of course, we all have as we put our faith in Jesus. Adoption is an incredible, incredible picture to a watching world of the Father's heart for all of us. It's a big thing. It's an important thing. And there's a lot at stake uh, for the body of Christ and for our witness to those who don't yet know him. It's God's idea. So what is our role? Here is the premise that struggling adoptive families, and I want to say this, a lot of what I'm going to talk about today They're generalizations. They don't fit every circumstances. Thankfully, there are going to be families who aren't struggling. There are going to be families who may have a different issue. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. I think some of the general principles, though, are where we need to land. And and that's why we're going to talk about them. But I do want to say that if you you think as you hear me say something, well, wait a minute, that's not my experience, or I know this family, or it's not my family. Of course we, we know that. But we're hopeful that this will help most of the families, as we see so many of them at Focus on the Family, who call us and come to us and are, and are struggling. So um, here's the first thing I think we got to remember. We're talking right now about the struggles of adoptive parents. And a lot of times I think adoption gets a bad tag when we adoptive parents struggle. And here's why. We're not struggling because of adoption per se in many cases. We're struggling because we are parenting previously maltreated kiddos. We are parenting kiddos who have experienced abuse, neglect, abandonment, and it is now absolutely beyond dispute from an empirical and scientific standpoint that that changes their brain chemistry. 
Kiddos who go through that literally have different brains than typically developing kiddos who have experienced the nurture and the love that God intends for all kids. So, so that's kind of the source of the struggle. It, it, it isn't per se because they've been adopted oftentimes. It's because of that past maltreatment. And that's what we have to understand and where there is a clarion call to the church to say, before we can get into any of the specifics of how we can help those struggling families, we need to understand that basic foundation and that it is different and that we have to recognize it and give space for it. And so what we're doing at Focus is trying to connect that biblically-based Um, counseling and support that we provide for a family and for families all across the country and all around the world with what we call an adoption competent model. And that's some of what we're going to talk a little bit about today. By the way, I realize I should tell you um, why I'm even standing up here talking about this and, and what are my credentials and what are not my credentials. I am not a therapist. I am not a neurologist. I am not a psychologist. Um, I'm an adoptive mom. And my hubby and I were so blessed to bring our four kiddos home through the blessing of adoption from foster care. And uh, that was 10 years ago now. Uh, And always my warning and disclosure, ladies, that was like, sorry, 20 pounds and a lot of wrinkles ago. (laughs) It comes. Um, But we've been blessed beyond belief. And our family... We lived in Hawaii for 10 years, and so in our family, we are Korean, Hawaiian, Filipino, Chinese, Vietnamese, Micronesian, Italian, and Irish. And so, or as they call this in Hawaii, just all mixed up. <laughs> and so we have a lot of interesting dynamics and a lot of blessing in our family. But our kiddos come from really hard places. They are the quintessential examples of the hard cases where the whole world says, of course they should have been aborted. Of course we shouldn't bring kids like that into the world. Well, we know, of course, and we're here today, that that's not truth. And that God has a plan for every one of their lives. And my husband and I are blessed that his plan for their lives included us. We're just a blessing to be able to be a part of it. But because of the difficulties and utero difficulties and early childhood difficulties and birth difficulties, they have challenges. And as a result, we as a family have some challenges, and uh, that is really my only expertise. Well, that and then at Focus, of course, we have the opportunity to minister to so many families, and we hear so many of the same stories over and over. But for those of you who may be professionally credentialed and neurologists and psychologists, I just want to say, clearly, that's not me. So that is the most, I guess, important baseline thing we want for everyone to acknowledge. And I'm kind of curious Have any of you, I'm guessing maybe some of you because you are in this session and some of you I know have some expertise, but is this whole concept that bringing home a kiddo from a hard place, uh, that there are going to be differences with that kiddo and parenting versus typically developing kids parenting, just that premise, uh, uh, is that anything that's even familiar? Okay. For a couple people, but I'll tell you, we, we talk to hundreds, most people we talk to who look at us like, huh? It truly is not something people know. So our starting place is recognize the difference. Church, your adoptive families need for you, first and foremost, not to judge them. You do not know what they are going through if you haven't walked in those shoes. They need you to love them and to be compassionate. And the last 
thing they need for you to say or for you to think, because I guarantee you we can even pick up on the thoughts I wish we couldn't (laughs) of, well, if you just spank that child, everything would be fine. Because let me tell you, if that were true, happy to do it. It's not true. It's not true. And there is no biblical wisdom to spanking a child who has been abused. It isn't the same. And we have to acknowledge that. It's not the same. The other side of the coin is, well, you're just so hard on little Johnny or little Susie. We don't need either of that because you can't know what's happening at home and you can't know what it means. And so to just have a kind, compassionate brother or sister in Christ say, I'm sorry, and then do some of the other things we're going to talk about. Huge. I can't even tell you. Now, again, I feel a little silly saying some of this because it seems very obvious, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem obvious? And yet it isn't happening. Our families are grieving and suffering in isolation, and some of them are even leaving the church because nobody understands. I talked to an adoptive family not long ago. They have um, four or five older birth kids all grown and gone, and then they have five kids that the Lord brought to them through adoption. It's actually a very famous, well-known family. Lots of means, um, lots of resources, lots of access to the kind of help they need. And as I talked to this adoptive mom, tears ran down her face, and she said, we lost all our friends, all of them. We don't have any friends. Because all their friends were very busy with their parties and their activities and everything else, and boy, oh boy, their kids were pretty high maintenance, and they didn't want any part of that. And it broke my heart. And it motivates us to try to help educate the church. Because you know what? We know the church is full of people who want to help and who would never want that family to be in that situation. And we just want to help educate and equip how to do that. So that's our main thing. Now this gets real easy. Keeping it simple. That's the foundation. You've got to have that heart of compassion, that heart of understanding, that recognition that this is not about a quick fix. This is about entering in. And being Jesus to the people who are entering in to be Jesus to the kids who are suffering and trying to heal. There is no quick, this naughty kid and this behavior. And I got to tell you, even as I say this to you all, I am completely convicted because even as I know this and talk about this, sometimes I live it well and sometimes I don't. And sometimes I will let the Lord meet my fear about what this means and what this might mean for the future and if my kid is raging and my kid is violent and oh my goodness, what, what if, what if, what if, what if and my fear and I am completely in a knots and all I want to do is yell and make the behavior go away. But praise God, he meets me there and gives me him (laughs) to be able to be compassionate. One of my kiddos... um, Uh, having a really, really hard time, had a situation of uh, seven years of bliss, bliss, pure bliss. (laughs) Couldn't have 
have any more bonding and connecting and just, oh, love this kid. Feelings of love in addition to choice of love, you know, just crazy for this kiddo. And then all of a sudden things start to get really weird and strange things start happening. And my precious little pumpkin is like acting what appears to be like a complete spoiled brat. I mean, I'm talking anything that doesn't go her way freaks her out and she can't handle it. But if it's something she wanted to do, then she can do it. And for the longest time, my husband and I struggled with what's going on here. And, and boy, maybe we, maybe we didn't really parent as well as we thought we didn't. Maybe, you know, she'd been a perfectly well-behaved child. Not perfect, but delightful. And we were going, what's going on? She started to get violent. She threw things out the window. She broke things. She said horrible, mean things. I can't tell her to say, well, there are two things I always feared she would say to me, and she actually did say them, but I'm not going to say them. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Ben did, walked right into the worst fear, and I'm okay. <laughs> um, and, and we were at our wits' end. Dear, dear Aaron can attest to this. I would go into work sobbing my brains out. What is going on? We're going crazy. And, of course, we're trying every medical, every spiritual, every, 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 everything. Where's our baby gone? She's gone. This daughter we knew was gone. And she's acting like an out-of-control brat. Well, we had to do something called neurotransmitter testing. And we found out that, in the words of the doctor, her brain was like gasoline on fire. Her levels were higher than the lab had ever seen. And, um, and it was unbelievable. But we were so relieved because we had an answer. It was a smoking gun. The other way he described it to us is she is so, uh, her neurotransmitters are so out of balance and she's so, for lack of a better way to say it, jacked up. You know, her system is so, she's supposed to be running at this level. She's like, whoa, way up there every second of the day. And he said, it's like she's walking on a tightrope. And so everything, the lightest feather that doesn't, can knock her off, which explains the why is anything that doesn't want to go your way making you crazy. So we're walking through this. And I got to tell you, as we walked through this, and as I would describe some of the behaviors, I cannot tell you all the people, all of my dear beloved, I love them, I do love them, friends of Job, who said... You just need to give that girl a whacking. That's what she needs. She needs a good hard spanking. I mean, just complete lack of compassion or empathy or understanding. I tell you what I do now. I don't happen to have it with me, but I actually carry around those test results in my purse. It's scientific proof. <laughs> but you know what? Also during that process, there have been folks who have really um, wrapped around and that's what we're going to walk through. W, RAP is an acronym, easy to understand. W stands for wrestle in prayer. i got to tell you the number one thing that I need and that I think our families need and that I hear from families that they need is for people around them to be praying for their children, to be praying for their families, to pray for healing for our kiddos, to pray for the peace of Christ to reign in our homes and in our hearts for patience for us for God to change us and make us more like him through the day-to-day, moment-to-moment, all-day-long trials. 
of parenting kiddos who come from hard places. We desperately, desperately need prayers. And I don't mean that kind of prayer that I've been guilty of saying, oh, I'm going to pray for you. I mean people who will go on their face before the Father and plead our case. We need it. Being very vulnerable here with y'all today. <laughs> I don't know how else to do it. I tell you, I feel a very strong pressing from the Lord that there is, we've got to talk about it so that we can stop this suffering and we can do this. Because you know what? When our families thrive and our kiddos thrive, that is such a picture, a beautiful picture to that watching world. And it helps our recruiting. Think about that, right? We got all these kids who need families and everybody, a lot of people thinking about it. And one of the most determining factors to whether they say yay or nay is if they know somebody and how it's gone. So if you know me, and you know my kiddos, I'm sorry, I should have pictures of my kiddos, but you know me and my... Really wrap our arms around them in maybe a more practical sense. Um, The other thing I want to say is this, you know, for a lot of adoptive families who you might know, they might, you know, they might be like, what are you talking about? We're fine. There really might be some people like that who just find the whole notion like, I don't know what you're saying. I will tell you that it's rare. And where the place where you can start, though, there are enough of us who are needy enough and who have come to that place of brokenness enough to say, yeah, I do need help. And so if you can just start with those families, please, whatever you do, don't feel put off if you, if you try to reach out and something doesn't go right. I, in fact, I want to just tell you right now, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the first time all of you try to reach out, it goes, in a, it goes terribly because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the last thing he wants is for these families to be encouraged. And the last thing he wants is for the church to be the church. So just be determined that you're going to be fierce and consistent and an advocate for these families and that you're not going to give up if something discouraging happens. Because it could. Um, I hope it doesn't, but it could. <laughs> okay, how about back here? I bet you have lots of wisdom for us, as a follow-up to that, I'd just like to say that even if it doesn't pan out the way you think it should, don't quit praying and sending the notes of encouragement. Our group, um, we didn't really obey the rules. <laughs> that seems to happen a lot. <laughs> what we did is we talked about what we felt our roles could be. As an adoptive mom whose kids are grown, I would love to be a facilitator at our brand new church since I just moved here in December. Um, And I'm learning to, I don't have five people, but we're starting to join a small group and that's something that we could do. Kara is interested in being trained to do respite care. So we talked about ways that that could work and how much of a a need that 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 is. Same for me. My kids are 10, 9, 8, and 6. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so they're awesome. And, um, you know, we just, I have to tell you, I have so many friends when we started out doing this journey. Uh, friends who got us into this. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> who have gone through some real, oh, sorry. There's my mic. Who've gone through really hard times and and parented some of the hardest kids I've ever seen, and I remember thinking, like, oh, I don't know how they could ever do that, and I could never live through that, and uh, it just 
I mean, just truly, like my worst fears of everything kind of having come true. But coming face to face with the reality that God is sufficient. His grace is sufficient for us. His power is made perfect in our weakness. And I'm just so grateful to him for those moments of, you know, just crying out to him, feeling like I, am I going to have a nervous breakdown? I don't exactly know what that is, but it occurs to me that it probably feels about like this. <laughs> and, and just him meeting that need and, and in getting a little bit of relief. And, um, yeah, it's been a really, really amazing uh, journey. So, um, okay. So, by the way, I, we should, I should have said, I know you're not all going to go out of here and write five names down. That's a little bit too ambitious. But I'll tell you what. If you could take these sheets, if you could make a plan and do something, this will have been an awesome success. And um, let, me let me conclude here, and then we'll, I'm going to probably let you out a little early, and you have some time before our uh, panel discussion in the main room. This form, I think, can be a very useful tool. You can adapt it. You can change it. You can do whatever. But I know a lot of moms who, if you tried to talk to them um, and ask them, what would they need? It's going to be like pulling teeth. And it might be really hard for them to say the things that they really should be able to say. But they might be able to write it down for you on this form. Um, as you check through this, you know, obviously number of kids is crucial. The kids' names is crucial. Whatever, some kind of unique needs. And, I, and there's going to be some. And then the prayer requests. The other really important thing, it kind of goes without saying as to the prayer requests, is the confidentiality and the trust that the families need to have, that those of you who are wrapping around, that that is a sacred trust, and they can tell you what to pray for. Expect the prayer request to be really vague in the beginning, <laughs> and then as the trust develops, they'll come more specifically. And, um, you know, the church is a little bit famous uh, sometimes for, uh, you know, telling 15 people you know something, and I'm quite sure I've been guilty of it, because we all need to pray for Cannot happen. Cannot happen. We'll blow things up and we'll be a disaster. So that's a really important part um, here. And then the respite care needs there for them to uh, be able to enumerate. And then just some, some of those acts of service on the back. And you may be able to think of 15 others. This certainly isn't an exhaustive list. This is just kind of top line thinking about some options that would be helpful. So feel free to use that. Adapt it however you like. So... Before we pray, does anybody else have any questions or any comments they'd like to offer? I really appreciate you all being here. It's a small little group. Our group earlier was small, and uh, that's okay. I, I really, truly believe and keep your eye on the fact that this is going to be the next big thing in adoption, and you all are on the front end of it <laughs> in our little teeny group talking with one another. So thank you for that. Any questions, comments over here? Absolutely. Oh, I'm going to end by showing you a video, and then we're going to be done. This is a video. Um, the reason we're so passionate about this is because on the front end, we are going around the country right now, focused on the family, partnering with child welfare officials, with um, Christian adoption agencies, with church and ministry leaders to 
recruit adoptive families for these kids who are stuck in care and to say this is our call as the church. And so as we do that, we want to be people of integrity to say we're not going to leave you on the back end and we're going to help your church to know how not to leave you. But it's exciting to see what's happening. We've had more than 1,200 families start the process of adoption from foster care. And these are for kids who are teenagers, special needs, sibling groups, kids the whole world said we're uh, unadoptable. And we know that with God, all things are possible. So we'll watch this and then we'll just be done. Thanks. We're here for a single reason. There are thousands of kids waiting in this area for adoptive families to call their own. Being here is such a powerful opportunity because there's kids in this county, there's kids in this state that are counting on each and every one of you. As Focus on the Family came alongside me and the desire that I had to make a difference in the children's lives. They've come alongside you here in this state. For me, it was very moving. It was very emotional because God showed me today that my main priority right now is to adopt and be able to give them what God has given me, that love unconditional. So it was really overwhelming. When our church gave us the information about the seminar, we were We started the adoption process. We pulled the paperwork out, so we'll see. We're infants in the process, but we're looking forward to move forward. We're on our way. I will say that I am living proof that that foster care is worth it. Adoption is so worth it. I want to share the joys of becoming an adopted child and the incredible blessing of being here. I believe that the room here is filled with people who are wise, who are about to take action, and that the time is right now.